Amen. And while you're standing, if you'll turn with me to Luke, the 16th chapter. Luke chapter 16. I'll, begin, I'll read one verse of scripture, uh, the 16th verse. So Luke 16 and 16. Amen. If you have it, would you say amen? Amen. It used to take, used to as a preacher, you could listen for the rattling of the pages. You know, that you knew when everybody had it because the, the, that noise stopped. Now it's, it's digital and you don't have any idea whether they got it or not. As a matter of fact, they could be looking at Facebook and you think they're looking at the scripture. Times have changed. Amen. Luke 16 and 16 says, The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? We love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for the great power of God. And Lord, as we get ready to go into the preaching portion of this service, I'm asking God that you loose your anointing in this house. Let, let faith be elevated in this atmosphere, God. I'm asking you to let people believe like they've never believed before, that you have a purpose, that you have a plan. Lord, that you know what you're doing, God, and that you're going to bring us through into your promise. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? I want to preach to you for a moment today about forward facing faith forward facing faith you may be seated today we stand at the pinnacle of 40 years of apostolic ministry in lake city arkansas we are where we are today because of the sacrifices and effort of those who have gone before us. And we have paused for the last month to look back on our roots with respect and appreciation for the history that we have, for the heritage that we are carrying on. But today, it is my goal to challenge your faith to believe that our best days are not behind us. The best that God will do for us is still ahead of us. Amen. I said it on the first Sunday of this reset, and I will say it again today. The biblical posture of faith is always forward-facing. It's always yearning. It's always reaching for something beyond, for something better, for some promise or some reward that has not been reached yet. Abraham, the scripture tells us, lived out his days in the land of promise, but he never settled for the promised land. The Bible says, the writer of Hebrews tells us that he lived out his days in tents, while those around him lived in permanent dwellings with stone foundations. Abraham was an oddity in his culture. He was an object of curiosity because he was a stranger that refused to adapt to the custom of the land. He was a stranger, an outsider who never really fit in. He never really settled down. You know, if you were Abraham, and God had promised you that he has given you this land for your inheritance uh, to you and to your children and to your children's children for a thousand generations. Perhaps you might decide that 
with that promise in hand that you could, uh, it'd be all right to go ahead and make your home here. It'd be all right to go ahead and settle down here. It'd be all right to go ahead and, and build a house and, and take your ease. But the writer of Hebrews tells us that Abraham never did that. The entire time that he lived uh, in the promised land, he lived in a tent. Uh, amen. And it was so impacting to his children that the generations that followed him, they lived in tents too. Why? The Bible says he did that because he caught a glimpse of a city whose builder and maker is God. And Abraham recognized that he would never, ever be at home in this world because he was made for a city on the other side of glory. And when Abraham pitched his tent uh, in the promised land, uh, he was saying, this may be where I'm living, uh, but this is not what I'm living for. This may be where I've settled. But I refuse to settle for this. Uh, amen. This may be where I'm living out my days. Uh, but this isn't where my hope is. Uh, and this isn't where my promise is. Uh, and this isn't where my future is. Uh, I'm living for a city uh, that I've only seen uh, on the horizon of my faith. Uh, I'm living in a city. Uh, I'm living for a city my hands have never touched. Uh, my eyes have never seen. But there's something in my heart uh, that yearns for something somewhere in the future. That was the biblical posture of faith for Abraham and it is always the biblical posture of faith for a child of God. Always reaching. Never bogged down in the present. Never anchored to the past, but rather looking forward with longing and desire for something more than it has. I want to preach for just a few moments today about forward-facing faith. It is a faith that while holding fast to the foundations of the past, uh, of past blessings and, and past experiences and not letting go of those things, uh, it presses through the difficulties and trials of this present time uh, and is continually reaching forward to a promise that has not yet been obtained. Uh, amen. We're living for something that's not in this world. Forward-facing faith peers into tomorrow to catch a glimpse of a promise fulfilled and refuses to settle for what it presently had. It's a faith that refuses to believe that our best is behind us. It's a faith that refuses to accept that our present circumstance is as good as it's going to get. It's a faith that longs for and desires after a future that exists somewhere in the promise and plan of God for your life. Uh, it's a faith that enables the mind to believe that there are better days, uh, that there's a better walk with God, that there's a greater revelation, that there is a closer walk I can have uh, that my best is yet to come. That's the kind of faith 
that we have to cultivate in our lives. It's a kind of faith that's always looking ahead, that is never satisfied with what we have, that never is complacent, that never settles down and says, you know, I'll settle for this. Uh, Abraham lived in a tent uh, because he said, uh, uh, this may be the land uh, of promise, uh, but this isn't the promise uh, that I'm living for. Amen. This may be where my children's children uh, are going to live, but I understand uh, that somewhere on the other side uh, of glory, there's a home that's been built for me, and that's what I'm living for. The foundations that we've been given are great. Our glorious past is wonderful, and the heritage that we are continuing in is a priceless treasure, and we've done our best this month to give honor to that. But I have to extend my faith to believe that God isn't finished with us yet. The past is to be saluted. The past is to be honored. The past is to be uh, rejoiced about. But on the final Sunday of this August reset where we've tried to honor our past this month, I want to remind you that as your pastor, I still believe that the end of this thing uh, is better than its beginning. Uh, I still believe that what is before us uh, is better than what lies behind us. Uh, I hear the words of my master uh, echoing in my ears. This is what Jesus said. He said, truly, truly, I say to you that whosoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do. What is Jesus saying? He's saying what you're seeing, the kingdom has come, but what you're seeing is not the best there is. The better is still ahead. Those that follow behind me are going to do greater things than what I've done. Amen. We give great honor and respect to Brother Anderson, the years of labor that he has in Lake City. But we recognize he hasn't seen yet the best that God's going to do. Amen. Better things are still ahead. Greater things are yet to happen. The greatest revival this city has ever seen has not yet taken place. Amen. Our main problem, though, is that we live in the present. We live in the moment. We live in the here and the now. And what is going on presently in our life is often overwhelming. For many of us, the past becomes a distant memory. And our future is somewhere way out ahead of us. But today's worries and today's doubts and today's fears demand the majority of our time and attention. The details, the, the circumstances, the struggles, the battles, uh, the very real things that we have to be mindful of, and even the mundane tasks of day-to-day -day living, all of those things cry out for our attention and dominate our mind and our time and our thinking so that when we lay in our bed at night, we find ourselves uh, going through the checkbook or we find ourselves thinking about what has to be done. My wife wakes up every morning and makes a list of things that need to be done because the present occupies us. It, it gets a hold of us. Uh, it tries to dominate us. Uh, but I want to remind you on a Sunday afternoon that forward-facing faith lives in a tent. 
forward-facing faith uh, doesn't build a house. Uh, amen. It, it, the important thing about a tent is that it's not permanent. You see, nomads live in tents because they may be here today, but they may be gone tomorrow. And they want to make sure that there's nothing holding them down. They want to make sure that there's nothing holding them back. In a matter of moments, they can strike the tent and move on to the next step. I want you to understand today that faith always dwells in a tent. It says, I refuse to accept things the way they are. I may have to endure the present, but my hope is in my future. I may be stuck with this lot in life right now, but I refuse to stop and build a house here because if you'll watch, uh, God's getting ready to do something better, and sooner or later, I'm picking up my tent, uh, and I'm traveling on uh, because better days are ahead of me. A better promise lies before me. This isn't the end, my friend. Uh, this is just a moment. Uh, this is just a pause somewhere along the trail. Amen. Now into my story, no matter what the devil tells me, no matter what the world tells me, no matter what the doctor tells me, no matter what my circumstance tells me, the end of my story has not yet been written. And I refuse to build a house where I am. I'm going to live my days in a tent because I understand this isn't where I'm staying. I'm traveling on. I may not move today. You may still see me here tomorrow, the day after the day after that. I may still be right here in this tent, but you can mark my words. There's coming a day where I'm going to strike the tent and I'm stepping forward into the promise that God has for me. Forward-facing faith refuses to be constrained within the limits of what can be seen and understood at this present time. It refuses to define tomorrow based on the terms of today's abilities or today's uh, uh, inabilities. It refuses uh, to define its future, uh, to trade the warmth of hope uh, for the stark coldness of reality. It relieves. Amen. I serve a God who operates on the other side of my understanding. I serve a God who operates on the other side of my abilities and inabilities. I serve a God. He's not limited by my storm. He's not limited by my circumstance. He's not even limited by my past. Some of us need to recognize in this house we see our past as an anchor that holds us back. We see the places we've been and the things we've done as a liability. But you serve a God who said, I can take all of that and work it all together for good. And when I get done, your past is going to be your asset. It's going to be your blessing. It's going to be the thing that you look back at and realize, if I never walked through that valley, I'd never stood on this mountain. With a boldness that can only be drawn from hope, forward-facing faith embraces a promise that has not yet been fulfilled. It sees the future, not through the lens of the present, but rather through the prism of a promise. It's a faith that invests itself in a hope for a better tomorrow. It's a faith that yearns for better things 
things uh, that have been spoken of but have not yet been fulfilled. Uh, it yearns for the word of God uh, that has been spoken over your life. Uh, amen. God has a better promise. Uh, he has a better future. He has a better destiny. He has a better purpose for your life than where you are right now. And it's the kind of faith that strives for that. It's David with a king's anointing and a shepherd's staff. Content to be the lowly shepherd. Content to be the keeper of daddy's sheep. Content to be the one that carries the food to the brothers uh, on the battlefield. But never forgetting the promise uh, that Samuel's anointing hole spoke to his heart uh, when the prophet of God stood before him and broke the oil vial over his head uh, and poured the oil that dripped down his head and his hair all the way down to his feet. Uh, never forgetting uh, there's been a better word spoken over my life. Until the day finally comes. Then he picks up that sling and steps into the pages uh, of history uh, and embraces God's promise uh, and God's purpose for his life. It's a little old lady looking at the prophet and saying, everything's good. All is well. When she knows in her heart that her baby boy is lying on his deathbed that is already cold, that the life is already gone from him. But it's the kind of faith that looks the man of God in the eyes and says, I refuse to accept the reality that has come upon me. I refuse to accept the circumstance I find myself in. I believe that if God gave me a promise, uh, he's well able to keep my promise. It is that inexhaustible faith that is fully vested in the possibilities that exist only as a mirage on the horizon. It refuses to be bound to reality. It refuses to accept the limits of this present time and this present place because it's caught a glimpse uh, of a promise uh, that is greater than the present. Uh, it's heard a word spoken uh, from the Spirit of God that's greater than the reality that it knows. Uh, and it refuses to take the Word of God and conform it to the reality, but instead it believes God's pulling me, God's compelling me towards something that is greater than where I am right now. This is the kind of faith that eventually lays a hold of the promise of God. It's the kind of faith that isn't content to grow comfortable in the present, but reaches into the future and pulls itself into the promise of God. It's a kind of faith that believes without compromise. If God said it, he's going to do it. If God has promised it, he's going to bring it to pass. It's the kind of faith that acknowledges that God is sovereign. He's in control, and it places its trust fully in him. He can open doors that no man can open. He can make a way where no man can make a way. He can do what only he can do. It's the kind of faith that recognizes that the one who made the stars knows their number and calls them by name. He's on my side. It's the kind of faith that recognizes the one that walks on the wings of the wind, the one that caused the manna to fall from heaven, the one that placed the earth on its foundations and established it that it can never be moved. He speaks of me in positive terms. He's got a promise for my life. Uh, he's got a purpose for me. Hallelujah. 
the one that declares the end from the beginning, that talks of that which is not as though it were, yet never lies. Uh, that one, uh, he's got a destiny for me. He's got a purpose for my life, uh, and he is well able to bring me into his promise if I'll only trust him. It's the kind of faith that looks upon tomorrow and sees it through the perspective of hope, believing fully in what only God can do. I recognize we can't get from here to there on my ability. We'll never have the kind of revival God wants us to have on the basis of my charisma or my preaching or my anointing or their singing or your worship. We're going to get there by the hand of God. What God's getting ready to do Amen. It's not anything any man's ever going to step up and take credit for. Nobody's going to be able to stand and say, well, I caused that. Well, I did that. That was by my talent or my ability. No, what God's getting ready to do, huh? only God can do. Huh? And the kind of faith that sees that kind of move of God is the kind of faith that extends itself to believe that God can do what I cannot do. Our text says in Luke 16 and 16, the law and the prophets were until John, speaking of John the Baptist. But from that time to this, the kingdom of heaven is preached and every man presses into it. Another version says every man forces his way into it. Another translation is everyone is forcefully urged into it. When I read the scripture about pressing into the promise of God, something is stirred deep down inside of me. Jesus said, amen, the kingdom of God is preached. And those who get it are those who press their way into it. Uh, everyone wants to be a part uh, of God's kingdom. Everyone wants to be a part of God's promise. Everyone wants to be a part of that revival. Uh, amen. But everybody who is going to see it uh, is going to be somebody who presses their way into it. You can't ever enter the kingdom of God without the kind of forward-facing faith that I'm talking about. That's what compels you. That's what presses you, pushes you in. Because everyone that becomes a part of the kingdom of God has to relinquish their hold on the present, has to let go of the past, and has to step in faith, pressing their way into the promise that God has for them. Listen to this preacher this Sunday afternoon. There is nobody ever saved by accident. No one ever comes into the kingdom of God by chance. You can't just coast along and hope to be a part of the kingdom of God. Jesus said that every man that hopes to gain entrance to the kingdom of God presses his way or forces his way into it. Not everybody lays a hold of the promise and blessing of the good news of the kingdom of God. But without exception, those who do have a deep-seated faith that forcefully urges them into the promise of God. 
there's something within them that becomes so stirred that it absolutely refuses to believe this is all there is. Uh, this is the best I've got. Uh, that my current condition uh, is the end of my story. Uh, it's a kind of faith, uh, amen, that refuses to settle for where it is right now. I'm here to tell you, you'll never step into the promise of tomorrow as long as you're content with the circumstances of today. The kind of faith that lays a hold of the kind of move of God that He wants to give you and He wants to give this church is the kind of faith that presses its way into the promise of God, that actively pursues, that says, laying aside every weight that so easily besets me, I push my way, I press my way towards a promise, uh, towards a crown, uh, towards the, the, the reward that lies ahead of me. Amen. This is the common characteristic of every person who receives God's promise. They abandon the anchors of their past. They release the constraints of the present. And they press their way into the promise of the future. This is the one thing that every seeker of God must have in order to receive the blessings of God in their life. Without it, you'll grow complacent. And complacency turns into apathy. And apathy yields a lukewarm, backslidden heart. It is the yearning of forward-facing faith that keeps you in the fight. It's the yearning of a hope that will not be extinguished that keeps your eyes on the promise uh, and keeps your ears tuned uh, to the sound of a trumpet. The past will endeavor to tell you you can't change. The past will endeavor to tell you that everything has to say, stay the way that it's always been. The past will do its best to hold you down and hold you back. It'll remind you of every time you ever tried and failed. It'll remind you of your inconsistencies, of all the faults and failures that lay behind you. But there's something in forward-facing faith that refuses to be anchored to the past. It forcefully compels you to invest your hope in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, to believe that he can do for you what you cannot do for yourself, uh, to believe that you can cast off uh, the hold of the past uh, and believe that you can change uh, where you are right now and that you can be different uh, and that there can and will be a better day ahead of you. Your present will endeavor to entangle you to ensnare you, to try to keep you from realizing God's plan and God's will for your life. It'll distract you with the problems. It'll distract you with the circumstances. It'll distract you with the cares and affairs of life, and it'll bog you down with all the tedious details that have to be taken care of. It'll endeavor to tie up every waking moment with the effort to solve the present problems that are always going to be with you. But there's something about forward-facing faith 
that forcefully compels you to set aside these present cares and concerns in the pursuit of a much greater blessing that has yet to be realized in your life. That's the attitude of the little lady with the issue of blood. Her past said you've been sick for a long, long time. You spent all your living on doctors, remedies. You've proven over and over again your circumstance is hopeless. Your story does not have a happy ending. But she refused to believe it. She refused to listen to the voice of the past. And forward-facing faith said, if I can just get to where Jesus is, there's hope there. If I can just reach out and touch the hem of his garment, uh, there's hope there. The Bible tells us that there was a, a great multitude around Jesus uh, pressing in on him that day. Uh, and I can just hear the voice uh, of her present circumstances declaring to her, this is useless. Uh, there's no way you're ever even going to get close to him. There's no way you're ever going to get his attention. Uh, he's so busy. Uh, he's so surrounded by so many people. Uh, it's too much. Uh, there's no sense in even trying but forward facing faith said if I could just reach out and touch him I don't even have to get his attention if I can just touch him the Bible says she came in from behind him and she pressed her way through the crowd to obtain the healing that she longed for can I tell you this afternoon that the only way God is going to lose his promise in your life is if you press your way into his presence. If you press your way past all the obstacles, past all the things that mock you, that belittle you, and that tell you you can never rise above where you are right now. The only way you'll ever see the promise of God fulfilled in your life is if you press your way past all of that. The only way you'll ever get what you won't need from God is if you press your way into the kingdom. You need to let that forward-facing faith compel you. It's been too long. You've been where you are too long. You've settled for a lot less than what God has for your life. You've, you've left your tent and you built a house in a place where God never meant for you to stay. And he's got a promise. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And it's time to get back in the tent and recognize I'm moving on. I'm not staying here. The psalmist said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I Seek after. That's the voice of forward-facing faith. It's a singular faith that has a single desire for the promise of God. It says, I will seek it as long as I live, and I won't give up until I obtain it. It's a strength of desire that outweighs all the limitations of this present world and compels us. It forces us. It presses us into the promise that God has for our life. It's a faith that says, I will not be satisfied. I will not settle for this. 
I've been listening to that lie for too long. I'm not staying here anymore. It's a faith that says, I will obtain. I will press. I do believe that God has something better for my life. I do believe that God has a purpose for my life. I do believe that God has a plan and a promise for my life, and I refuse to settle for where I am right now. Luke 16 and 16 declares to us that everyone that obtains the kingdom of God possesses that kind of faith. It's the kind of faith that compelled Abraham to live in a tent in the promised land. That's the faith that it takes to move the sinner from the pew to the altar. But it's also the same kind of faith that it takes to push a child of God beyond the mediocre and into the promise that God has for their life. It's a faith that we must have in order to even become a part of the kingdom of God. But it's also a faith that we must maintain if we hope to grow in the kingdom of God. It is the vital sustenance of your spiritual life. I'm afraid that this is where many people miss God's promise for their life. They taste the fervency of forward-facing faith at an altar of repentance, but they discard that passionate pursuit somewhere along the way and settle for less than what God intended for them. It's my desire today to challenge you to pick back up that fervent, forward-facing faith and pursue yet again the promises of God in your life. He's not finished with you yet. He's not done with your life yet. The same faith by which you pressed your way into the promise of God, the same faith that compelled you into a breakthrough at an altar is the same faith that must be maintained in your life in order to make heaven your home. The problem is that we allow the fervency of our faith to fade over the years. We quickly settle back into contentment and lose the desire that compelled us and pushed us into the kingdom of God. It's my job today to challenge you, each and every one of you, to extend your faith again. It's my job to challenge you to break free of the present and extend your faith to press for a better future. God has a plan. He has a purpose. He knows where he's taking you, and he knows what he wants to do for you, but it's only going to happen if you press your way into it. We have to make up our mind to press for that which we have not yet obtained. It doesn't really matter this afternoon if you're coming to the altar for the very first time or if you've been in church your whole life. The thing that will compel you into the promise of God is the same. It's that raw edge of powerful, pressing, compelling, forward-facing faith. That's what presses its way into the promise of God. It's the only thing that will ever lay a hold of the blessings of heaven. And I'm hungry for revival. I'm hungry for a move of God.
I'm hungry to see God do what was prophesied in the first week of August that he was going to do. We're going to reap from fields we haven't sown. We're going to reap a harvest uh, that is already ready in the field right now. God's getting ready to bring to pass a promise uh, that started in 1976. Uh, and I believe that we're walking in that road of, of destiny into that promise. Uh, but it's time for us to, to press our way into it. It's time for us uh, to make up our minds. Uh, I'm not going to be satisfied. I'm not going to be complacent. Uh, I'm not going to settle for what I have. Uh, I believe that God has a better thing for us. Would you stand with me? When Marine Corps General Chester Puller made his landing in Korea, his advanced scouts went out before him and they came back and they reported the Korean army has positioned itself in front of you. Just a few moments later, they tell us that his flank scouts came in, one from the left and one from the right. They both said the Korean army has moved in on either side. There stood General Puller, surrounded on three sides and with an ocean to his back called in his lieutenants and his commanders and he gathered them around and this is what he said the good news is there's no way they're getting away from us this time forward facing faith simply refuses to be shaped by what it sees and what it understands and what seems to be reality Instead, it invests itself fully in the promise that has not yet been fulfilled. I want to challenge somebody in this place today to turn your vision to the future. We've talked a lot about the past. We, we've celebrated 1976 and we wore our fat ties and, and tennis shoes and all that stuff. But now I want to challenge you to turn your eyes to the future. And I want to challenge you to extend yourself in faith and believe. I don't believe there's a soul under the sound of my voice that God wants you to leave this house the way you came. I don't believe there's a soul under the sound of my voice that God wants you to stay where you are. I believe He's calling each and every one of us to step into a promise that's better than what we presently have. And I want to challenge you. Let's strive together. Let's press together. Let's reach for the kingdom of God together. Let's see Him do what only He can do. The scripture said that when Zion travailed, she brought forth. Travailing requires pressing. Revival requires pressing. A move of God in your life requires pressing. If you're too comfortable, if you're too satisfied, if you're too content, uh, if you're too complacent, uh, you'll never get a hold of what it is that God has for you. But the kind of faith uh, that I'm preaching about this afternoon is the kind of faith uh, that will compel you into pressing your way into the promise that God has for you. We need a revival of that kind of pressing. 
We need a revival of that kind of faith. I know we have a diverse audience this afternoon. And I don't know what you need from God. I don't know what is going on in your life. I don't know the circumstances that brought you here. But I do know that whatever it is you need from God, you won't get it unless you press your way into it. You won't receive your promise if you don't determine to press your way into it. The Pentecostals of Lake City will never see the revival that we're hungry for until we make up our mind to press our way into it. We will reap from fields that we did not plant and we'll experience a revival that others before us have wept and prayed into existence. But it will not happen until we press our way into it. I wonder today if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that's willing to break the mold of the ordinary, that's willing to break the hold of the present and to press your way into the blessing that you need from God, to press your way into the promise that God has for you on this Sunday afternoon. I wonder if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that's willing to ignore what your eyes can see and what your mind can tell you and everything that you can understand, uh, amen, and and press your way into a promise uh, that's better than where you are right now. These altars are open. I invite you to come. The kingdom of God, the scripture said, is preached. And I've preached the promise of God this afternoon. But Jesus said, it's up to every man, woman, and child to press your way into it. What are you going to do today? What are you going to do right now? Are you going to be content to stay where you are? Are you willing to find a place of prayer and say, God, I don't know exactly where you want to take me, but I know I want to follow you. I know I want to go where you're calling me. I know I want to answer your call, Lord. I may not fully understand it. I I may not fully grasp it. It may not all make sense to me right now, but I have enough faith to believe that you've got something better for me, and I'm willing to reach for it. I'm willing to press It takes a step of faith. I'm wondering if you'd step out in faith right now. If you find your place in an altar or kneel at your pew or wherever you're comfortable. But if you press your way into the presence of God, let's let God be God right now. Let's let the presence of God that I feel so rich in this house, uh, let's let it flow in this house right now in Jesus' name.